Hello and welcome back to Lead with Compassion with me, your host, Nico McCall. It's Transition Tuesday, but I was really struggling to land on a topic I wanted to talk about that I thought might also be interesting to you. So I headed to Google and started typing, what do transgender? The first suggestion that came up was, what do transgender people look like? Answer, we look like people. We look like humans. My hope is that this question was the first suggestion because people just starting to accept themselves as trans wanted to see other trans people, see other people that are like them, find proof they aren't alone, find proof people can transition and be happy. I don't think I asked this specific question when I started out, but I did watch a lot of YouTube videos of other guys' transition progress. In the beginning, I used these videos to try on the idea of transitioning. I was still having doubts, thinking maybe what I'm feeling doesn't mean I'm trans, maybe it means something else. Maybe I'm just depressed and trying to find a way out of it. I would watch those videos and hear about the doubts and fears and questions the other trans people had. With every video, I found myself saying, Yeah, me too. Sometimes I would hear how they felt in certain situations and realize for the first time that I felt that too. Realizing that my previous attribution of those feelings, meaning something was wrong with me, actually didn't carry any such meaning. I had gotten very efficient at registering other people's responses in the moment and matching those responses to my own. Not that I was aware that I was doing that. I had always seen myself as a person who pushed boundaries and went through life proving people wrong. Basically had an attitude of, you think girls are supposed to be this way or can't do that? I'll show you. Looking back, it seems like I knew exactly when I could push and when I needed to blend in. Maybe I should try to list my survival skills or coping techniques sometime. Doing all this work on self-compassion and letting go of past shame, I think I'd be surprised how many things I thought were unlovable about me were really me figuring out how to survive and protect myself. As I continued to watch these videos, being trans was no longer a question. I could no longer deny that the thoughts and feelings that I thought had made me an outsider, different from everyone around me with no cause or justification, were because I am trans. Then the purpose behind watching those videos changed to what is going to happen to me. I did want to know what I was going to look like, just like that Google question. I needed, I needed to prepare myself 
for anything that may happen to me once I started my transition. I watched every comparison video I could find from trans men documenting the changes they'd gone through. I became obsessed, so much so that I was willing to get a shot once a week for the rest of my life to experience what I was seeing in those videos. For the significance of that, go back and listen to episode 5. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. There are a lot of shoulds we put ourselves through. Whether you're transgender or not, the shoulds of our appearance. I should lose weight. I should use this product to stop hair loss. I should wear this brand. I should drive this car. I should always have makeup on in public. I should have a tough guy persona. I should always go against the grain to prove I'm not materialistic. Whatever your flavor of should is, we all experience it. As the first physical changes of my transition started happening, I came up with a lot of shoulds for myself. Anytime I was out in public, interacting with people or just walking past a stranger, I was mentally checking the vibes I was putting off, making sure they were masculine enough. I didn't smile because smiling was feminine. I generally had a pissed off look on my face or one that said, I'm concentrating on something, don't bother me. As a side note, I was told a lot in college that I'm good at that look. You know, resting bitch face. The general demeanor of my body also said I was on a mission. Even if I didn't, I walked like I had somewhere important to be. I needed to put out a masculine vibe. So one, people would assume I was a guy. And two, if they didn't assume that I was a guy, they wouldn't want to interact with me. Looking back on it now, I think the third and main reason I felt the need to come off as tough was that I felt so vulnerable and exposed. The fast, masculine walk, no smile, furrowed brow, eyes forward, no time to make eye contact, on a mission to get somewhere important. It was my armor. It wasn't really about ridding doubts in the minds of others that I was a guy. If I get really real about it, my whole life was kind of like an armor. And I don't think it's just because I'm trans. I think most of us put on a full layer of armor before leaving the house. Or maybe even before anyone in our own house sees us. We are armed with the proper pleasantries exchanged with others in passing. The proper smiles the correct brands, our practiced complaints to show that we too are not perfect while we are trying to be perfect, or the proper complaints to keep other people from prying too much, the right amount of gossip 
to put the focus on someone else. Constant exasperation. Running late. On the lookout for other people's flaws. Too busy to talk. Overscheduling. We are trained to keep each other at a safe distance. Or rather, to keep ourselves a safe distance from others. To keep our vulnerabilities invisible. I took these ideas of how society views masculinity and basically put them on like makeup, showing the world I was a guy and making myself feel better in the process. For trans people and other minority groups, we are also keeping ourselves away from physical threat. In addition to putting on all this armor I've mentioned to avoid exposure, I was constantly making sure I didn't do something that may trigger someone. And I avoided situations that may put me in danger. But there's no way to know that I was safe when other people were around. It's exhausting to have all that constantly in your head anytime you're out of the house. Now that I pass as a cisgender male in public, I don't have to worry as much. The unknowing stranger is less of a threat, especially when I'm just out running errands. But I talked a lot previously about how we are responsible for our own reactions. So I know that when I say I was making sure I didn't do something that would trigger someone, that wasn't really possible. It's not possible for me to make sure that things I do don't trigger another person. First, that's their responsibility. And second, just my existence as a human is a trigger to some people. In some spaces, all I have to do is exist to offend someone. And possibly offend them to the point they feel the need to take it out on me physically. I don't understand why some groups of people have to minimize themselves their interaction with the outside world in order to minimize the threat against them. <laughs> Back when I was still attending church, I was attempting to make our congregation an inclusive one. There's a process churches can go through called reconciling in Christ, in which the congregation makes a commitment to welcome people from all backgrounds. It is typically focused on the LGBTQ plus population. There was a group of us having an initial mediated conversation about the topic. As far as I was aware, I was the only person there that was part of the LGBTQ plus population. In a room full of white people, Race was brought up in a conversation about entering a space in which you felt uncomfortable, physically. I was pointing out how I have to be cautious 
and some spaces. Then the counterpoint was made by a white man stating that there wasn't a space where he didn't feel comfortable going. He was referring to going into any business in a predominantly black community. He honestly thought that since he felt that way, everyone else felt that way too. If you are a white cisgender man who feels like there is no space in which you would feel uncomfortable, my guess is that you have been the person to make someone else feel uncomfortable. And the reason you haven't felt uncomfortable is because everyone else in those situations, if they are not also a white cisgender man, minimized themselves to make sure you were comfortable. And really, they weren't minimizing themselves to make you comfortable. They were doing it for self-preservation. And this includes any white cisgender male who is not the right kind of masculine. But now, this particular man was uncomfortable with the idea of stating openly that we as a congregation welcomed and celebrated the LGBTQ plus community. Why? Because in doing so, that group was no longer minimizing or making themselves invisible so that he could remain comfortable. It goes along with the adage, do what you want, just don't do it where I have to see it. Expecting me to change how I live to accommodate you. And you being offended if I don't. It doesn't matter whether or not any of this was happening consciously for this man. And most likely, he would adamantly deny what I've said thus far. That doesn't matter. That doesn't make what I've said false. It just means that he has never taken a step back and questioned any of his thoughts. Never attempted to understand a different person's point of view. I'll say this is true for any person threatened by someone different from them. Every person who feels threatened by my existence has gone through the world expecting others to conceal whatever makes them uncomfortable, probably without ever stopping to give consideration to how they make others feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Take a breath with me. Deep breath in and let it out. As frustrating as this is, it's not in my control. And really, that person's comfort level is also not in my control. I can put on every piece of armor I have to keep myself hidden and still be at risk of people being uncomfortable. <laughs> so I might as well just worry about making myself comfortable. Earlier in my transition, that meant blending in as much as possible. Today, not so much. And not everyone I interact with on a daily basis knows I'm trans. Especially with those people, I don't feel the need to make myself appear masculine. I'm open about mental health 
and anxiety and men having feelings. I just, I just want to be a good person. I want to know myself better every day and release pain from my past so I don't carry it into my interactions with others. I want to create spaces where others feel safe enough to be themselves and question how they are bringing past pain into their relationships with others. So I'm going to challenge you to pick one thing about a minority group that makes you uncomfortable. What is it about that thing that makes you uncomfortable? What would have to happen to make you comfortable? If your answer to that question involves the person in the minority group changing their behavior, ask that question again. Keep asking it until the answer has only to do with you. You are the only person responsible for your comfort level. If you answer these questions, taking a serious look at how you've expected others to adjust their behavior to accommodate your comfort level, please remember to have compassion for yourself. The people you've held accountable for making you uncomfortable do not need you to beat yourself up. We need you to do better going forward. Thank you for coming back to listen to another episode. I appreciate the love I get from you. Take a moment to share your successes and frustrations with us. Ask questions you've been afraid to ask. You can reach out to us at leadwithcompassionpodcast.com or click the link in the show notes. Remember to subscribe and review this podcast. Thanks again. I'll see you next time. Thank you.